What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 24 of the Noise Podcast, brought to you by Noise.co.uk. I'm your host, slash your boy, Chris Pugh, and as ever, I'm joined by my very good friend and Mr. Cynical himself, Samuel Lewis. How are you, mate? I'm really good. I'm looking forward to today. I mentioned this to you before we came on, but it does feel like it's been longer than two weeks, doesn't it? Weird. It, it, it really does. It we, really does. We've only got a couple left to do for the year now, before we finish off and head off to do our Album of the Year uh, podcast, which is going to be a video. Just to reiterate for people who may not listen to um, our episode two weeks ago, we're going to finish off, I think we're going to do maybe two more, but at least one more podcast this year. Then we're going to uh, have Christmas off, but we are doing a, a video of our Album of the Year podcast, me and Sam are travelling down to Cardiff, where I will also be doing the first of a new series called Chris Meets. And the first episode will be with the owner of Noise, uh, Jack Holloway. And Sam will then come into the podcast when uh, when I get to the point of where Jack went to uni, because that's where Sam and Jack met. Um, so yeah, it's exciting stuff happening. Uh, this is a podcast that comes out every two weeks, available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music and Google Podcasts. Up on noise.yourcard.uk at the moment, we've got reviews on both albums that we're discussing today, as well as reviews on the new Creech EP and Ice Nine Kills. And on today's show, um, we're going to talk about two specific segments from the news. We've got live reviews on Fever 333 and Being as an Ocean. They were both from this weekend, so very fresh in my mind. And album reviews come on Counterparts, Nothing Left to Love and Strive from the Path's new record. Uh, internal atomics uh sam are we ready to kick on oh i think so we'll start with the idea well the, the confirmation of my chemical romances reunion um how soon after it was announced did you see this because it was pretty hard to miss yeah it was um it was pretty much immediate for me to be fair because i was just happened to be scrolling through social medias and I oh, saw it was it was halloween wasn't it like halloween night yeah so basically uh my chemical romance put up a, a tweet uh, saying, like Phantoms Forever, tickets on sale Friday, the 11th, um, the 1st of November, uh, at 12 o'clock. Um, that was obviously American, uh, and those tickets sold out in minutes, would you believe? Uh, and that was basically just a picture saying return, um, and the internet, or at least the alternative internet, absolutely exploded about it. Um, I knew that My Chemical Romance were, were massive, and they, they were, whether you like My Chemical Romance or not, in terms of modern alternative music they are one of the biggest bands in there like whether you like them or not that fact is indisputable but i you know mate there was literally memes from every corner of the internet everyone seemed to be talking about it um i i suppose it's you can always underestimate a band's size until they go away long enough for someone to miss them and Mm -hmm. then they once they turn back up again you realize oh shit they're actually massive because my chemical romance are one of the few bands that broke genres didn't they really you could stop someone in the street under the age of 40 and they'd probably know who my chemical romance are or would at least know if you said the words my chemical romance you at least know there's something to do with music wouldn't you yeah absolutely they've, they've become a household name for alternative music i think they're on that food fighters sort of level aren't they oh, oh that's a great point actually uh for like for like let's just call them email for that genre, they are the food fighters of it. That is actually a great comparison. Um, let's get into it, though, mate. Are you excited about this? As long as it doesn't come with an album. Yeah, uh, you know what, mate? That actually bridges kind of onto what I was going to say next. Are My Chemical Romance the biggest band to ever have, like, 50% of the discography be good? Because <laughs> three, tri- three Cheers is a great album, and so is Black Parade. But the other two... 
dog aren't, shit. aren't. I mean, the last one... Uh, Terrible. I mean, let, let's not understate the point. That last My Chemical Romance album is absolutely awful. Danger Days. It, it, it's really bad. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Um, like, I couldn't believe... Like, even when... Even nine years ago that came out, so I probably wasn't... I wasn't into, like, um, metal or hardcore by then. And I was probably just getting a real interest in alternative music. But even then, I thought, man, this is a bit shit, isn't it, this? Not very good at all. I remember, there, there was a, that, that song, like, Na 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 Na. I remember that yeah. like, that was a relatively uh, big song and a catchy chorus. But everything else, man, was really whack. <laughs> um, Wholeheartedly agree. So basically, like, My Chemical Romance is entire career is centred around Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge and The Black Parade which are two very good albums are you actually I don't think I've ever actually in all the time I've known you ever actually had this conversation with you do you, do you actually like My Chemical Romance? I think um, Welcome to the Black Parade is a generational defining alternative rock album I think the rest of it's massively overrated they're the nirvana of um, this generation apart you from mean, the fact that Jared Way hasn't died the one absolutely classic Zeitgeist-breaking album. And Welcome then, and to then the, the Black rest Parade. Is, yeah, Welcome to the Black Parade. It smells like Teen Spirit for emails. Yeah. Oh, it's a good, yeah, good shout. Um, um, I think, I, 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 you know what, I, I, I respect Gerard Wayne. I think he's a good songwriter. And I actually, I feel like, um, you know, when you're at uni and you would literally do anything not to, um, not to write the essay. Yeah. I feel like I feel like he's working with Romance a touring, so he doesn't have to write the second season of Umbrella Academy. I, um, I didn't watch it. Did you? Did you? Have you did you oh, spot it at any point? Yeah, I, I saw it, man. It's tremendous. Right. Uh, it's really, it's really good. Um, but he was doing loads of bits and bobs, and he tur- he's, he's he's turned himself into a bit of like an alternative like writer, comic artist, and and all this sort of stuff. He's really got his fingers in loads of stuff. Um. Out of all of them, I think he's the one that leads it less. Um, I think Frank Iero's solo career has been overstated a little bit, and I don't know what the other two were doing. That being said, so back to your original point, yeah, I, I, I think they're a bit Nirvana-esque in the way that they've built an identity, built a fan movement that's so... My Chemical Romance fans are very present on the internet. Um, there's yeah. a huge swathe of them. Uh, they're of the generation that's like our age and they're very present on like your reddits and twitters and, and forums and things like that and i think that does overstate uh, their reputation a little bit but also lends itself to the level of hype that this comes with um but also like you said serves to the serves to the idea that people really do have short memories um because it wasn't that long ago that they released an album but people are acting like it's been like 30 years and you know what i mean this isn't dying back daryl coming back from the grave to reunite pantera this is this band have been i think it was 2011 um their last album came out i mean we're talking eight years 2010 was danger days but like nine years i know what you mean like yeah yeah this isn't like pink floyd like you know what i mean I, i i just i think it's been overstated a little bit um but at their peak uh, the Black Parade album and the Black Parade subsequent tour. I remember read. I remember. I remember reading a Kerrang review they did of um, the they did a Birmingham Academy show um, after the Black Parade, and it was like one of the first five star reviews I'd ever seen Kerrang give for a live show. It was like they were blistering. They were like at the peak of their powers, and if they can do a show that's like that, uh, where they just go back to playing, you know, fifteen great alternative rock songs and ramp up the intensity. 
and Gerard Way's feeling it and he's you know he's he's in good shape and his voice is good, then it'll be a fantastic tour and it'll be worth every penny because I think they're a great live band. Um, but I don't think they've been that band for a long time. Uh, and I don't I don't think they've been the, the band that did Welcome to the Black Parade for a long time. And I don't know, like I, I the hype the hype is good and it's good to have them back in the the modern um, the modern zeitgeist of, of alternative music because they're a big draw. Um, and I hope that they were UK tour and it all. And I think it'll sell out in in in, in minutes because the, the the fan base is there for that. Um, I just hope I hope that I hope they're worth the hype. Because I'm not too sure at the Tr- moment. Trick Andy Coppin was pleased to hear this news. <laughs> and the reason why I'm asking that is literally two months ago we said, holy shit, where, where are we going to find the next live download headliners from? But they're of the size. I know they got massively rejected when they when they did it before. Um, but times have changed since then. That was probably, that was like, what, 12 years ago, maybe? Um, I think it was 2007, yeah. So, so mm, what do you think? <sighs> Coppin's Coppin's got a, not got a reputation. Has he got a choice? Seriously, yeah, he, has he got a choice? Yeah, because he, he'll he'll keep asking Iron Maiden to come out of the graves, around and things like that. Um, the thing is, is does Coppin see it as tried that didn't work, or does Coppin see it? Does Coppin see him as a get out of jail free card? Because if he's not going to book Parkway for the reaction of the Facebook download groups. If he books Michael McCormick for a second time, I get. I imagine he'd be preparing himself for an earthquake outside of his house or something. But they've gone I, away long enough to be missed, though, haven't they? Michael McCormick. Yes. Yes. And, and uh, I, I think there's a large portion of of downline festival goers that have begun to understand that if you want to go to a metal festival, it's bloodstock. Yeah, I think that. I think that's fair. I think that's fair to say. I think. Um, I think if 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 Michael McCormick were going to come back and do a UK headline set, I'd be more inclined to imagine them being at Reading and Leeds. Yeah, that's the last UK festival they headlined, if I remember correctly. And I didn't want to make I don't want to make this conversation about download or because we talk about download a lot. I was just curious to float that idea past you to see what you see what you thought about that. But I, I think this is I think this is good. I mean, I do feel like the the timing's right in the sense of. I saw Franco Aero at 2000 Trees, and he was good, but he was like sub-headlining the second stage, and that there was a part of me that thought, I mean, I know this is his solo stuff, so it's completely his idea, his vision, his everything, but I thought, he must be, think- he must be thinking somewhere, and like, man, I do miss playing to 40,000 people, because that's just human nature, you know. So I think I think this comes at the right time. I think they've been gone along, gone away long enough for people to miss them. In terms of you not wanting a new album, I do think a new album is inevitable. And now I'm going upon the idea that this this come they've only named one comeback show to be fair so far. But you'd have to put two and two together and assume. Do you imagine that- this is is this them testing the waters? Do you think they will come back, do this show, and then fuck off again for six months and then come back with a new album? Well, they actually or- they actually put a Twitter post up saying. Um, they find it truly unbelievable um, the amount of such a warm welcome that they've received since they were coming back. And, you know, it's important to mention here that they've only actually announced one gig. Um, so I do think what you were about to say is it's them testing the waters. 
I, I think that is 100% correct. I think that if this show sold out in a week, they'd probably be like, mm, we'll, we'll do it and then we'll see how we feel. This show sold out in literal minutes. The internet exploded. The tweet that they put out has got like 205,000 likes on it. Memes are circling all around the internet about the reunion. I think like they'll, they'll see the dollar signs because they're human beings and I think that They'll get put in that room where they're playing this reunion gig, and the crowd will be in love with it and into it. They'll do it. They'll do a tour, and then they'll go away and write an album. And if that album um, is anywhere near as bad as uh, Danger Days, then they probably will call it a, a quits for good after that. Um, which there's every chance it could be because fuck me, Danger Days was terrible. Um, that's what I. That's what I. That envisage can't be anyway. overstated as well. That I. If that their last goes... album was shit. Yeah, that can't, how overstate, you can't overstate that because it really was bad. And if it was good at all, maybe they wouldn't have gone away. Well, that is also a good point, actually. I think I don't want to bring it up to any of the hardcore Mark Hamilton Romance fans that I, that I know just yet, but I don't mind bringing it up to you. Um, that if that album would have been anything more than a 3 out of 10, maybe they would have stuck around. But again, obviously, yeah, it, it's so difficult to see into the minds of a band you're not a part of, isn't it? So. They're, 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 kind, they're, they're back um, I think it'll be a good thing me personally I won't talk about Dan me personally I think Coppin's absolutely fucking buzzing at this news personally so I think the times have changed and I think he'd be more than happy to roll the dice again because just like you said it's a get a jail free card for him now moving on uh, just slightly Sam uh, to something I think we're both going to be a bit more excited about uh, Rage Against the Machine um, now I wasn't massively surprised that My Chemical Romance uh, reformed, and I did think it was a matter of uh, when, not if. This one, however, I was, did catch me off guard. Funny that they announced it literally a day after My Chemical Romance announced theirs. (laughs) Um, But saying that, let me just backtrack on something I've just said. The Twitter account that shared the five Rage Against the Machine dates for next year uh, which will be El Paso, Texas, um, the Cruces, uh, Phoenix, and two dates in Indio, California. Um, he's, actually, he's not verified. Um, it's not an official Rage Against the Machine um, t- a Twitter that actually shared it. Um, it was an official Rage Against the Machine Instagram post that, that originally put the picture up. Um, Stating the dates, so but the, like, and, and it is it is like an interesting concept that like we've all kind of just put two and two together here and assumed that Mike, that um, Rage Against Machine are definitely back. But there hasn't been like a full, full band statement saying, yes, this is the deal and this is the plan going forward. Although it is worth mentioning that I think it was today, uh, Profits of Rage members all put up on their own social media, the Profits of Rage are done, which was like the Rage Against the Machine side project. It had um, uh, Tim Comerford in, uh, Public Enemies, Chuck D, and, Cyper- and Cypress Hills Be Real as well. Um, and obviously it had Tom Morello in. So, so, so uh, Prophets of Rage have announced that they're no more. Uh, Rage Against the Machines Instagram feed has put this picture up. Um, and the Twitter account that shared it, just underneath in the thread, where they'd put the post up about these dates, mate, they shared this video of um, Killing in the Name. And I can't... I couldn't find out what festival it's from. I don't suppose you saw it, did you? I didn't, know, Mate, it is absolutely mental. The amount of people that are there is... 
absolutely absurd. Um, mate, Rage Against the Machine, them coming back is a great thing, isn't it? And what a time to come back in terms of politically. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I might I sound like some personal bias, but I'm, I am more pleased that Rage are back than, than Mark Kemp. Um, but yeah, I think Rage Against the Machine are the perfect band for, for, for this time in the world. Um, and I think I think this is just great news for music. I think the world's I think the world's will be better when a band like that are knocking around. And I I do hope this comes with a new album. Yes, I, uh, I want to hear Zach De La Rocha talk about politics in twenty nineteen slash twenty twenty. Yes, yeah, me too. Uh, I'll, because as well, I think there are so many bands that have benefited from Rage Against the Machine. There's so many bands that, that have that tone, and we're we're going to talk about one a little bit later. And having the Godfathers of of political metal come back, I think, is a wonderful a wonderful thing. Um, I, I with Rage, um, they split apart like personal differences, a bit of a hiatus. I've listened to I've listened to all of their albums. It wasn't wasn't musical issues, you know. They've they've, they've released four very good albums um, that. That they can, that they can try and replicate, I think, and I think this is this is a great, it's a great thing for music. I'm just glad to have them. I'm glad to have them back. And this is a band that I think Andy Coppin would, would be, be incred- pleased, yeah, would be incredibly excited to make a phone call to yeah. because Rage Against the Machine headlining Download Festival um, would be incredible. I think would be would be a historic event. I'd like to bet that the phone call's already been made. To be honest. Um, At the very least, I imagine there's been some reaching out. Yeah. Um, this is a great thing for music, Sam, for for, for several reasons. Um, one of which is that, as we just mentioned, the time calls for it. But other than that, people sometimes, and I see this quite often, people sometimes understate the quality of Rage Against the Machine as a musical outfit. Forget the lyrics. Tom Morello is absolutely amazing. Like, yes, as a, as, a, as a guitarist, there's, there's there's never been a more unique sound. Like, uh, legitimately, le- legitimately, uh, Tim Comerford um, is also uh, an amazing uh, bassist. Um, Incredible, the bass and, start off, take the power back is yeah remarkable. And um, Gorilla Radio as well. He's amazing. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing on Gorilla Radio. This this um, reformation of a Rage Against the Machine. Again, they are they're like they're a household name. That it's they're one of the bands that like it's really difficult to say what exactly they are, isn't it? Yeah, they're they're a blend of stuff, aren't they? Yeah, funk, rock, rap, metal, and they're amazing at all of them, and and they bring so many different people together all in the same room, much like a band that we're going to speak about in a short while. That they they bring people from all different kind of spectrums, beliefs, um, ethnicities, all into the same place um, to fall in love with the music. And I think sometimes people forget about that with Rage Against the Machine. Everyone talks about killing in a name and how pertinent it is or was towards uh, American culture, police brutality in the early 90s. And they're right, it's amazing. And that Rage Against the Machine have done <laughs> a smorgasbord of songs that discuss uh, an issue with politics. But musically, they're just a terrific, terrific band. And I think that any time you get Tom Morello and Zach De La Rocha 
in the same studio. I really can't imagine anything less than a seven out of ten comes out of comes out of it. And even that, I'm I'm being cautious because really you should be pushing that for eight and a half. Because Ratchet's Machines back catalogue is fucking superb. They're they're absolutely like crystal diamond of a band. Um, so for for this, this is one of the like most exciting things I've seen in alternative music in this year. Oh, wholeheartedly. I think that's fair to say. So they haven't, like I say, there hasn't been like a false statement about uh, their intent. Um, there's these five dates, two of which, uh, the ones that are in California, are do actually coincide with Coachella Festival. So even though it hasn't been announced that Rage Against Machine are headlining Coachella Festival, again, um, they wouldn't, surely they wouldn't be short-sighted enough to book shows on the same day <laughs> as Coachella when they're not playing it. Because Coachella... yeah, that seems that seems that seems strange. Yeah. In, you, you playing Coachella? No, just sort of down the road. Coachella is literally the biggest festival in the world, so I'd be absolutely astonished if they're booked the same dates as Coachella and they're not playing it. I would be very very surprised. Um, so like I said, they haven't come up with a, a certain statement of intent, but in my mind's eye, the do these five shows it absolutely implodes, kicks off, everyone falls in love, raging against the machine again tour next year and similar to my chemical romance i'd say album 2021 or 2022 um and i'm i'm, I'm fucking over the moon excited for it what i think about rage as well is they've never they've never released music for the sake of releasing music no absolutely great point um we we put we go on about how long system of a down have taken to release an album but we don't want them to just do it for the sake of doing it do we so and, no, and much, no of course much uh, like uh, rage uh, i want to I want to hear the Donald Trump song. Yeah, I want to hear it now. They're probably because they're probably Zach to the Rochers probably already wrote two albums worth with how politics has been for the last five years. Zach to the Rochers probably wrote about two or three albums worth. Yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. I think I think it's interesting as well how some of the circumstances that were um, that were going on in the early nineties with the LA riots and the RJ and the RJ Simpson trials and all that sort of stuff about race relations and stuff like that um, has seemingly reared its ugly head again. 17 years later it's it's sad how things repeat itself but it's oddly symbolic the rage against the machine have come back at this time let's talk about another incendiary uh political force sam uh fever 333 we went to see them on saturday uh, in birmingham hmv institute uh, the upstairs room um mate what a show yeah it's um it was an incredible experience. This 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 show was really we, really really wonderful. We've been to a lot of gigs together, like several upon several, more than I could more than I could count. Probably thirty in the last three years, at least. Yeah. Yeah, at least in, in that sort of range. Ever seen anything like some of the stuff we saw here? Not from a metal band, no. Absolutely not. Not not from a hard rock show. I've never seen anything like this from a hard rock band. Jason, this is the first. This is the first time we've seen. Uh, Jason, who was the uh, lead vocalist for Let Live, a band that we caught on to like. We said it several times. We love them now. For some reason, we, w- we weren't aware of their brilliance back when we could have seen them. They split up. Fever 333 formed. I've been waiting to see them. Um, a-, a download. I-, I couldn't catch them because I was at Whitechapel. 
but I knew there was this tour coming, so I wasn't too gutted. Uh, I was literally chomping at the bit to see this band, and I, and I felt fully, fully satisfied by what was given. Because um, I, I remember I was actually a bigger fan of uh, the album Strength in Numbers than you were. You said this is like really good, but I, I think it's uh, it's far from the the perfection that they're probably going to reach at a certain point. You were of the opinion that it's exciting because I think they've got more to bring to the table, but this is still great. Do you feel any stronger about the band after seeing uh, the intensity and the kind of performance level they brought live? I definitely, I would definitely double down on my opinion that there's more to come and it's going to get better as it goes along. Um, because um, for, for, for a band that's released its first album, I know that Jason has, has been around the block more than a few times. Um, but this is still a, a relatively new band, new project that are trying to make their way. And they, it did not feel like that at all at that Birmingham show. Um, I thought this was, I thought this was splendid. Um, you got, it, it was, it was like a, like a Molotov cocktail of, of stuff. You had, for, for, it's hard to really, it's hard to really pick which one stands out to me first because it was the, it was like a crowd of an indie show because it had like people from all all ages yeah uh, all ethnicities and all backgrounds it seemed um which i thought was lovely um because i've been in countless metal shows and you know i could draw from memory what the uh what the average metal fan's gonna look like you know yeah yeah um so it was nice to see a real a real shift in, in dynamic and and, a, and an indication that that harder and more alternative music is more universal than than perhaps we've been led to believe and so that was one of the first things. So it had it had a real community feel, like a hip hop show, uh, but also it had obviously some of the intensity and the mosh pits and the the crowd aggression at points of a metal show. But then Jason has this ability to flick a switch. The vocalist Jason has the ability to flick a switch from um, being a metal vocalist, screaming, jumping, throwing cups into the crowds. Um, jumping off pillars, all this sort of stuff, like classic dub, hardcore punk rock vocal um, sort of mannerisms and characteristics, to flicking this other switch where he, he, he turns into like a, a church choir preacher or a solo artist on a piano. Uh, and and those, those both of those things are literal in, the, in those cases. Um, it was really interesting to see. And from a from a gig that was so so small and and, and, and from a band that was so new, the crowd were all in yeah. on everything, hung on his words. Um, there were there were bits where some of his messages seemed a little bit like um, overtly, let's all be friends together and that sort of stuff. And the, the crowd just lapped it up and it, and it, and it went really, really, really spectacularly. And they seemed overwhelmed by the reaction yeah. as well, especially Jason, who seemed to be like shocked that people were like singing along to his tunes and all this sort of stuff, which was really, really cool to see. So I, I saw, I saw a band here perfectly strike the blend between, um, political activism, um, community, community, not pride as such, but a feeling of community and spirituality at a gig and heavy metal intensity. Um, sometimes I feel that it, you can go too far one way. Sometimes you watch a band and you think, they need a break here because the crowd will get tired of being told to beat each other up every five minutes. And sometimes you have, you find that guy, that band where that guy's like 
turns every five minute gap between songs into an opportunity to sort of tell people who to vote for. And also there's sometimes when you watch gigs and you think, well, just stick to making the crowd feel great and dance and move and keeping it energetic. Somehow they did all three simultaneously. And there was a real balance here and a few moments where the, 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 the band dipped into stuff that I just loved. I love when bands do improvisational covers that aren't yeah. scripted, that yeah. aren't like overtly practiced and just flicking from one to the other. Seeing seeing them do that version of Brain Stew that went into Old Town Row with him rapping over each that bit. That was and amazing. Improvising lyrics was just something that he didn't pause to do and say, we're going to do this and sing along if you're not. It, it just felt as part of a as part of their, them in the flow of what they were doing. It felt really natural. I love that they played without a support. I, 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 and I love that they... They explained it by saying we just wanted to do our own thing. Cool. I'm here to see you. Yeah. Like I'm, 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 de- I'm, de- I'm down for that. We got twenty uh, quid's worth, regardless, didn't we? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I had, a, I had a great time. I think this is one of the. I, I expected it to be good, but it, the, the nature of it, it was one of the, one of the most positive experiences I've had from a gig this year. Drummer's bloody good as well, isn't it? Yeah, it fucking is, man. Um. That that really helped the feeling that it was like it almost felt like an electronic uh, sort of hip hop sort of show because the just the beats were like consistently prevalent. Um, I wish the guitarist was a little bit louder at times, um, but in in a in a show that small, it's so difficult to mix. Yeah, it's so tough. Um, and I thought I thought all things considered, it was a show of real spark, intensity, and fire, and I really enjoyed it. I'm I'm like legitimately convinced now they're going to be a real force. Oh, that's it for you, sort of thing. You think though? No. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna be a legitimate, really big um, band that blend together genres, much like Rage Against the Machine. Not saying they're gonna be the same size, but similar to Rage Against the Machine's ability to bring in um, and Andy from one background and Simon from a completely different another background and Julia from another completely different background. I think they're gonna be a real force. I love this show. Thought it was absolutely brilliant uh that what you mentioned their mix between brain stew and old town Row with jason rapping over the top was just like this is crazy what the fuck is this jason walking through the crowd somehow i missed completely and he was like i just tapped jason on the back by the way i was like what do you mean he, was like, he just walked past and before i know it, he was stood uh, at the top of the stairs with a, with a fucking keyboard doing a a slow ballad uh, it was just a really really amazing gig but like we've been to a lot of gigs and to see something completely different it's difficult for us because we've we've seen you know pretty much we've seen it all but this was great um i loved how they were all wearing the jumpsuits with 333 on um a real sense of community and this is just a pedestal for one of the many they're going to climb up and i think they're going to be a massive massive band so sam last night um i went to see being as an ocean at the rescue rooms in nottingham um how was that mate um it's weird how in two days i've seen gigs that both the things happened in both of them that i've literally never experienced at a gig before um being as an ocean or a band i i've been a, a fan of for a long long time but it's just never quite worked out that i've been able to go and with this new direction that they've recently gone into i understood that 
a lot of what I was going to hear wasn't actually going to be live music because the, the electronic stuff was would obviously be programmed in. So I was thinking, I was before before actually I went, so I was thinking, I wonder what kind of like show or experience I'm going to have because you know a lot of it's not going to be live; it's going to be programmed in, um, and a lot of it is of a different style to what the band had done previously with the more spoken word, uh, ag- aggressive lyricisms. And obviously, uh, Waiting for Morning to Come and the new album, Proxy, is like kind of like space, rocky, you know, electronic element, like hybrid rock songs. So I, I was really interested to see how it played out. You was you were less of a fan of Proxy than I was. I think Proxy is fucking great. I'm all about Proxy. I actually think that Waiting for Morning to Come Proxy is the is the best direction that Beings and Ashley could have gone in. I, I really liked their early stuff, but I, I quickly realised by the time they did the self-titled album, there really is only so far you can take that kind of stuff. Um, and that Waiting for Morning to Come, that album was a good step, and Proxy was the actual full uh, leap into a kind of electronica rock. So... <laughs> right, um, I, through reading online, I was aware that Joel Quartuccio, who's the vocalist, um, likes to be very active with the crowd. Okay. So, when I say this, Sam, when I say the words, he got in the crowd, I don't mean that he stood on the barricade. I mean that he did his vocals inside of the crowd. Um, at one point, during Alone, which is an absolute banger, he grabbed my face while I was grabbing his, <laughs> while he what? was do- while while he, while he was doing the vocals. And as sick as it was, I was thinking to myself, Joel, please don't fucking put this mic towards me and expect me to sing, because <laughs> I fucking can't, and I'll make an absolute twat of myself. Um, I mean, it was amazing, mate. Like, um, my missus who I was with, she was like, I've never seen anything like that. She was like, you proper like. We were probably like scrunching each other's face while he while he was singing. Uh, it was fucking. Like right at the front then. Uh, no, uh, he was like walking around the crowd doing his vocals. It was only a small room, to be fair. There's maybe 150 people there. Um, he was like walking around the crowd doing his vocals. The crowd were moshing around him. Um, when the when the choruses dropped, he was like bouncing with the crowd. Um, there was like a six. There was a, it was a 16 song set list. I want to say for like. 30 to 40 minutes of the show he was inside the crowd he was on the stage obviously for when he for for most of it but for about 45% he was literally inside the crowd I I have never seen anything like it before in my life um I'm yet, I haven't met this point yet they were amazing by the way it was one of my favorite gigs I've ever been to and um, because I'm such a massive fan of the band and because this new direction I'm such a big fan of the emo- the, the emotive songs like glow okay black and blue find our way alone which I, which we have scrunched up his face and I got mine scrunched up uh, just sounded absolutely brilliant massive um and what was really really great is that and this is going to sound a bit weird um I don't want this band to get any bigger. And the reason why I'm saying that is, if Beings and Ocean turn into an academy band, Joel can't do what he does now. I was like, going to say, are you, are you pro-face scrunching in all gigs? <laughs> no, I mean, it wasn't like he gripped me up. Because if we take you to Slipknot and get Clown to do it, you might have your head taken off. <laughs> he didn't, like, grip me up. It was, you know, it was like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, like that meme of that small girl being lifted up the wall. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it was nothing, yeah, no, it was nothing like that. It was like obviously he's in the crowd and I'm like bellowing the lyrics at him, and obviously he picks out obviously this this fucking this guy over here knows what's going on, and like he just like to show like <laughs> he deserves a face crunching <laughs> to like show yeah, obviously yeah. as like a kind of like, emotive like I don't know like hand gesture we fucking gripped each other up. It was sick. I loved it. Um, I don't want them to get any bigger because. If, if they took this show and they put it in the Auto Academy, security literally wouldn't let him do what he does. And honestly, Matt, I have never seen a crowd react to the way that the crowd reacted last night with Joel. Because of being as notions lyrics um, are so like, emotional. A lot of them are relationship-based, but it's not like your, your cliche bullshit that you find in pop-punk. It's like legitimately clever brilliant lyricisms and honestly mate the, the way that the crowd were just pouring their emotion out at Joel the, him being inside the crowd probably made a, probably played a large part in that because like it, literally how often do you see that at a show you never do um, but I, I've never seen a crowd react to the way they reacted last night um, it was this sense of unity that even even with Fever 333 considered it was a sense of unity that I've legitimately never seen before at a gig um, it was I, I felt a sense of unity and belonging that I've never felt at a gig before um, because it was so small, uh, so intense, even though it wasn't like a metal show where people beating each other up. It, there was like a, a kind of a heart-wrenching intensity that was just like blowing throughout the room. It was like it was like caught up in the airways, like radiation, just like burning through everyone. Um, and Sunday night show as well, difficult s- to get that sort of intensity. Mate, so I was hanging out my ass as well. I was really tired until they came on. And, I, and and then, like, they just captured me immediately. It was absolutely amazing. And their second-to-last song, <laughs> um, again, Joel's in the crowd before the final, like, breakdown comes in. And, like, I ran and put my arm round him <laughs> as he was doing the final lyric. I was, <laughs> I've got my arm round him, bouncing with him. It was, mate, it was absolutely amazing. It, but I've made it sound here, I've just realised, like, the only reason it was amazing is because he was inside the crowd. He could have stood on stage for the hour and a half, and I would have still been absolutely, like, engulfed by what was given to me, because, I, for a start, I'm massively into the band, so I, I pretty much, I loved the show before they even come on stage. All they had to do was play, and be able to, and be able to play their music, and I was going to be in, because I love them so much. Um, but yeah. the actual show itself was, was really, really amazing. Uh, I've never experienced that kind of atmosphere at a show before. And, to be honest, I don't want to again. I like the idea that could be, like, a one and done. <laughs> Um, they don't tour massively in the UK because they're not a massive band in the US, let alone the UK. But it was it was terrific, mate. Like even though you're not like massively into them, I still think I could have taken you, stood you on the side, and you'd have been like, you know what, mate, that was really cool. I've never seen anything like that at a show before. My girlfriend who who I was with like has no, has very little interest in them, and she was like, you know what, that was sick. To be fair, like I've never seen anything like that. Um, really, really amazing, mate. Um, I can't speak hardly enough for it. Like I said, there wasn't a lot of live music that I experienced there because of the program stuff that they have to put in. But even with that considered, it was really, really spectacular. A show that will live with me for a long, long time. Face scrunching and all. Let's just be. Let's just all be pleased that he didn't put the mic to me to sing because that was like a legitimate concern of mine. I was like, in in the split second thoughts that I had, I was thinking I'm gonna have to duck this like it's like a jab for me Van Drago in Rocky Four. I'm gonna have to slip this like, put, drop my shoulder and move out the side. You could have like a generic scream in there and moved on. Oh uh, well, not really because it was like. <laughs> 
Because it was like one of the chorus parts. I couldn't. I was like, please, Joel, I love you, mate, but please do not put this mic to my face. Um, It was amazing. Can't speak on it. Fantastic, man. I should have put that uh, the mic to that girl behind us at Fever 333. Oh, man, the one that was shouting Worcester. Worcester! <laughs> Where are my people's at? Worcester! <laughs> she was wicked, man. God, nod to her. Mate, let's jump on to uh, album reviews. We are going to start uh, with Counterparts, Nothing Left to Love. Um, I have played to you a few Counterparts songs because I really like the band. Um, and you have nodded along but never actually came out and said this is sick. Um, before we get into the actual album, do you like them? Yeah, they're sick. Oh, okay. Um, but I'm, I've got to say, I am somewhat surprised because you've never, you've always seemed like uh, somewhat in the middle of the road on them. You never really told me either way. Um, so this is their sixth album. Um, and what I kind of like about this, I've literally, I've said on several episodes how at some point um, a band does need to take a little bit of a left turn. I literally said, being as an ocean, there's only so far you can take certain sounds. But literally, Counterparts have been a melodic hardcore band for six albums, and I still love it. There's been very, very little deviation, nothing left to love here. There's really no wholesale changes. However, I sound really contradictory saying this. I kind of like that there isn't. You know, they've got this blueprint that they know they're really good at, and they stick to it. But they're, they're really, really good at it. There is one slight change in this album, though. And that is uh, the addition of melodic choruses. And I have to say that Separate Wounds, Paradise and Plague and Cherished are absolutely incredible. And they're taken up an echelon by the addition of choruses that you can really sing, a lot, sing along to. Much like Being as an Ocean Counterparts have a real amount of weight in their storytelling, in their songs. And that's compounded in this album by the ability that you can really sing out the chorus of Separate Runes and Paradise and Plague. And I think that takes this album to not a completely different area from other Counterparts albums, but it certainly gives it another area where it can shine, where other Counterparts albums couldn't possibly. Um, admittedly, this album is a little bit repetitive, but the, that's not a problem for me, because they're giving me what I want. I really like melodic hardcore. I love hardcore, um, that throws in the odd melodic guitar line here and there just to change up the pace and freshen things up a bit and counterparts are fucking amazing at choosing when to do that um uh, the hands that used to hold me and ocean of another are prime examples of like really like battering beaten songs and then at just one specific point they'll just chuck a lead guitar line in that's like really soft and melodic and completely changes the complexion um I think this is a really, really great Counterparts album. I think it's actually my favourite because it gives you all the kind of aggression and um, vigour that you would find in previous Counterparts albums as well as this edition of these few choruses which are just really, really brilliant. And another Will Putney job here who I think has produced every album we've listened to this year or at least, or has at least produced more than half. Good Lord. Um, what do you think about Nothing Left to Love, man? I love this album. Yeah. Oh, yeah, mate, I'm buzzing to hear that. This is the blend, Chris. It's the blend, this, man. This, this is, is the, this is the, this is like, this is like the Nescafe gold perfect blend. Amazing. Um, oh, I'm so buzzing is, you like this. But this is a, when I talk about what metal I love, 
This is exactly what it sounds like. Um, this is this is equal parts uh, power, aggression, melody, technicality, and beauty, all or all, all, all together. And you're right. The addition of a chorus, the addition of something to hold on to, makes everything else better. Um, it's it's just like it's 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 given this central quality to um, the rest of the song to make the other the other stuff stand out more by extension. It breaks up the guitar passages. It breaks up the breakdowns. It gives the verse more meaning. Um, and the song Paradise and Plague. You mentioned Cherished. I agree with you there. And the guitar work at the end of Imprints. Yeah. Are just um, just astonishing. This is um, this is brilliant. This is this is like what I want um, what I want to hear from a, from a from a modern metal band. This is this is a combination of like I can hear bits of 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 periphery in here in some of the guitar tone. I can hear um, little bits of little bits of North Lane, little bits of various other hardcore bands that we've we've heard, but a bit of Texas in July, but like much more modern and much more much smoother and much cleaner. A uh, bit of holding absence, yeah, in the court in the chorus style, yeah, man. Um, and even little bits of like sort of architects in the way that they make a chorus and then really extend it. And make it the most powerful version of itself. Then mixed in with the the racing guitar tones, and Putney here's mixing job. Yeah, it's pretty special, isn't it? It's 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 much more difficult to do this, I think, than a, a guitar. Say, for example, um, you're mixing uh, Gideon, uh, where the majority of it, or or not loose, for example, when the majority of it's one monotonal. Where it's two guitarists really going for it, chugging. There's no, but here you have, you've got to bear in mind that there's a relationship going on between the two guitars, and there, there's one tone comes in and one tone comes out, one note comes in and one tone comes out. There are harmonies here that need to be accounted for. That also need to give each other equal weight, but at the same time, one needs to be more than the other. One needs to be louder than the other because it gives it a chance to breathe and. It's just a it's just a remarkable job. I I it's it's I've got a five star playlist on Spotify, Chris, where I put like just my favourite songs. It's got a load of shit on it. It's got everything from like Phil Collins to like black metal, um, <laughs> just stuff I love. And in the morning, if I don't know what to put on, I just press shuffle, and it's like just you know what I mean, just rolling the dice and whatever That's I a hear. Good idea that is, you know. Um, yeah, I, I really recommend it. Um, it's like a thousand songs deep now, but it means that I listen to a whole host of shit, and it's really cool. It just Max by day sometimes. Anyway, um, I don't very I don't very rarely listen to an album and decide that that song's going on that playlist unless I've heard it a few times. But I stick like three tunes on here from here just the moment I heard them. I put uh, Paradise and Plague, uh, Imprints, and Separate Wounds on here just immediately. I also really love Ocean of Another. Yeah. Um, I think it's just so powerful. Because what I've heard recently in loads of metal bands is bands will decide to do big choruses like counterparts have done here, but then abandon everything else that made them really good. Or decide to ignore the prospect of doing choruses and then it sounds really repetitive. Counterparts have done both here and they, they merge really, really well. And this is what a great metal album sounds like. Honestly, Chris, this is, um, is going to get album of the year consideration from me. Uh, me too, man. This is... 
I'm really delighted to hear your praise. Um, I already knew of Counterpart's excellence because I, I've been into them for a while now. And this this album, they have built a bridge from everything they've done um, fantastically well. Like I say, no wholesale changes, but what they have brought in just allows them to freshen things up um, ever so slightly. And that ever so slight variation has resulted in, in my opinion, um, their best album. This album's predecessor, You're Not You Anymore, is equally excellent. That's a song that that's the album's got no servant of mine on, which I've played to you a few times. Yeah. Um, which we, that, that album is also excellent, but this is um, just a, a, a step beyond that. And not to just basically repeat everything I've, all, I've already said, man, I can't get out of the choruses on some of these songs. Separate Wounds. Yeah, um, some of these, some of these are huge. Uh, where has this come from, and why wasn't it here for the last five albums? Because you don't, you don't wake up a good songwriter. You know what I mean? Where, where's this? Where has this happened? What do you think's gone on? They've occasionally flirted with melody in the songs. It's not like they were like just chugging out riffs for five albums. They've flirted with it, but in terms of like dropping in like a full, clean melodic chorus that you could get. 600 to 2,000 people in an academy singing along to. This is the first time it's existed for counterparts. And what a decision, man. Uh, pays off. Absolutely dividends. In, in a phrase, this album has got enough grit to get classic metalcore fans on board and enough melody to get modern hardcore slash metalcore fans interested as well. And I think this could be an album that moves counterparts fan base up an echelon. I, I really do. This is, this is brilliant. I, I, I'm fully in love with this. I knew I would be, man. There was no way I wasn't going to like a Counterparts album. But going in, I was thinking, well, at the, at the very least, I'll like it. And it turns out I'm fully in love with it. I'd recommend this album to most people that I know. Uh, whether they like classic metal or whether they like modern metalcore, there's, you can find something here. Uh, this is uh, this is terrific. Really great album. Nothing Left to Love by Counterparts is out now. So, uh, Sam, uh, to close off the show, I'm actually going to give you the lead on this one because I've literally just seen what you put on social media about an hour and a half ago. Um, Straight from the Path, Internal Atomics, also out now. And again, I, I, I do believe this is also produced by Will Putney. Uh, Fuck although... off. <laughs> Don't Does he me. leave that studio? <laughs> Has he got a missus? Has he got a wife, a children, family? Don't quote... <laughs> Don't Go quote ahead. me on this one. Don't quote me on this one because it might, it might. I think it's him though. I'm pretty sure it's Will like Putney. Albums to be produced by Will Putney. <laughs> I do I believe know. it's Will if, Putney. If it's, if it's remotely him, fair fucking play. Fair yeah, fucking play. Ridic- ridiculous. Um, straight from the path. This is the first time you listen to a Straight from the Path album in full, isn't it? Uh, no, I think we listened to the last one. I think, I'm sure we reviewed the last one, dude. Only death is real. Yeah, I think we might have done it on soundcheck. Um, okay, well, regardless, regardless, mate, I'll 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 take the lead on counterparts, so I'll let you take the lead here. Straight from the bath, internal atomics. Um, well, these are fucking naughty boys, aren't they? These ones. <laughs> yeah. Um, this. It's hard. It, when I listen to bands, when I listen to bands like this, it's really, it's really, it's really easy for bands that sound like Straight from the Path to sound repetitive. To sound samey, to sound boring, uh, because if you've built your whole sound around a vocalist that tends to be that has one set of range and a set of riffs, 
that are always really lows and and sort of chugging along and your pace doesn't tend to move along. It can be very difficult to really break up from that. But straight from the path, managed to punch you in the throat 10 times and it feels 10 different versions of that throat punch. And it's fucking brilliant. Um, honestly, this is... I joked about it earlier. And um, it feels like music that Stone Cold Steve Austin would walk out to for 32 minutes. Yeah. Like, it's just powerful grungy nasty bouncy aggressive um it suits me down to the ground uh, it's not boring the choruses are great the guitar work has taken a level up they've moved up from what they were doing previously tom williams is brilliant on this yeah and that they're experimenting with little different different sort of noises and different inflections on what they're doing here and i think overall it's 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 a it's another diamond of an album um, and before I pass over to you, I'm going to leave it with one take. I think this is better than Not Loose's new album. Interesting. Wow. I think, okay. it, I think, it's, I think it's a better hardcore album. I think it, it's it's cleaner. Uh, it's smoother. It's I know I know Not Loose is deliberately abrasive, but it gets it gets to the point where I think sometimes it blurs some of the riffs a little bit. Whereas I think this. Um, tells that line much more effectively i think the vocalist has a little bit more uh, variation and i think i think the guitar tone just is just superlative here so yeah this is um this is my favorite purely hardcore album of the year so far and then also i think some of the experiments with lyricisms and breakdowns here as well they, they catch you by surprise with some of the breakdowns it just sort of seems to come out of nowhere and some experimentations with riffs and tempos and things like that. This is another superb album. This is a brilliant double header um, that we've reviewed today. Um, I didn't think I didn't think they'd be able to top the uh, the counterparts album, but they've, they're they're both on an even keel for me in terms of quality in completely different ways. This is a if if you ask me to construct an album that I thought would be perfect for live shows for metal, uh, it would be far away from this album. Uh, this is the ultimate festival album. This is you could you could drop this anywhere for anybody. It's that it's that sort of um, universality, and I really think they're starting to pick up uh, their popularity as well, and deservedly so. This is um, this is marvelous. So, I've always been someone that cherry picks out of Straight from the Path albums. For example, on Only Death Is Real, uh, Good Night Alt-Right, and Strange Fiction. And were the two ones I, I tend to go to. Subliminal Criminals, uh, First World Problem Child, uh, which has got Sam Carter on. Oh, what a song that is. And uh, Die Pig. And on Anonymous, I'd always go for Badge and a Bullet and Black Friday. But this is the first time I've ever listened to Australia from the Path album where I'm like, man, I don't want to skip anything here. At like, all. This is... This is... A massive, massive leap, in my opinion... From straight from the path. Subliminal Criminals is like the album that most of the fan base would probably throw a baseball bat at me for saying that I prefer this because Subliminal Criminals is like their like um, their go-to album. But honestly, man, I, I think this is a massive, massive step up. Uh, Drew York, the vocalist, this is the best I've ever heard him. He he sounds on this so fucking angry. Um, he's always had like an amazing flow, but there's two songs on here: uh, "Kickback" and "Something in the Water." He he lit. Oh man, he sounds like he's on fire. 
Like, he's that angry. And just, like, this venomous spit of vocals. Man, it really, really captures me. Um, there's a song on this album called Second Death. Um, best song on the album. Opens with this, like, really, like, beautiful like, groove riff. And the breakdown when Drew York screams, what happens when the fucking cross falls? Mate, like... Nasty, innit? Like, unbelievably violent. Like, mate, speakers are going to explode alive because of this. Um, and I think that's also got the, the song that's got uh, this sort of quiet, like, the power of Christ compels you whisper. And then the sickest drum fill before they kick back into the verse. So good. Um, no one does what Stray can do with hardcore. No one does it. Um, even though hard, there's several bands that are like Straight from the Path. For example, Norma Jean. Not 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 too di- not too different in terms of um, the setup, but Stray. No one can do it like they can do it. There's something about the way that Tom Williams and Drew York arrange the vocals for Drew and the um, rhythmic setup for Tom that is just unmatched. Um, another interesting part of this album is generally. Straight from the path, stick very political, which is awesome for me. I love that. I always find it so interesting, like with Rage, etc. Um, but there's actually somewhat of a more variety of themes on this album. Uh, you know, you've got religion, and there's um, a mental health song called Love That Used To Hold You. Um, there's a really sick lyric in there, like, um, she used to like protect me from the monsters underneath my bed. Now I'm trying to save her from the monsters in her head. Which, you know, really cleverly done. Mm-hmm. Real kind of groovy rhythmic punch to this album which is again like with Drew's Vogue it's the best I've heard in a Stray From The Path album and then you've also got the songs like Double Down which has got uh, Matt Honeycutt out of Kublai Khan in that's just this straight up beat down horrible nasty bastard of a song but then you've got also the, the tracks that surround this album which build up to this monolithic beast of a hardcore album in terms of is this better than Not Lucy's album I've got to think about that one, but I I was I am so unbelievably in love on board with uh, Different Shade of Blue by Not Loose that that's how much I like this album. Like I'd have to sit and listen to them both one after the other a couple of times, maybe write down a pros and cons list. Like I'd have to really think about like which one's better. But in terms of what this album does, this is a, a, a unbelievably tight really angry but it's not like the anger isn't overexposed and I don't know how Strive from the Path do this but they write these songs that are like really like angry lyricisms um, angry themes but it it never gets boring does it it never gets overexposed anywhere on this album no no I agree I, I, I agree I think I think they've, they've managed they've managed to find a line here between sort of aggression and sort of precision which is quite nice. I also want to talk about the song Kickback on here. Um, yeah. Which which is just fucking marvellous, man. Yeah. You know, the opening the opening one-two punch of Ringleader into kick, Kickback here was just, like, unbelievable. It just it just doesn't take a step back at any point. Um, I just... Catch you no off guard, lo- this album. Say again, sorry. Did, did it catch you off guard, this album, in terms of its quality? I didn't expect it to be this consistent. I expected to be... I expect it to be sort of, not bored, but predictable by track six. Um, and that's why I said it's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to be uh, inventive in hardcore. Really difficult. And maintain your sort of, like, respectability among hardcore 
members of the uh, members of the members of the culture. Well, I think they do it here. This is this is incredible. The guitar tone here is fucking perfect. Like for what they're trying to do, and the percussion, and and again, if it is Putney, I'd, he's he's the goat. Like yeah, the last like believe, fifty years. Um, in terms of metal recording, because uh, you can just make bands sound exactly what they need to sound like. No one sounds the same. But yeah, this is this this is this did catch me off guard because I expected to be underwhelmed, or at the very least, I expected to be wanting more. And it really ticks every box I could have wanted from it. And I've, it's just as good as the Counterparts album, but for entirely different reasons. Um, and I think I think this is I think they've got a, they've got a great future. Uh, and I th- and I love the bands like this are cropping, cropping up again. I love that we're getting bands like Stray and Gideon and yeah. Not Loose, like Hardcore's making a not a return, but Hardcore is is one of the really big I think driving forces of like metal. And it's where it's it's where it's making its big leaps forward in the same way that it used to be metalcore ten years earlier. I, I really think that's where the majority of the progression. And the majority of the popularity is holding where bands are writing songs that are perfectly suited for insane live shows because that's what you can't replicate and that's what you don't and that's what you have to pay for. Like I can listen to this album on Spotify and pay my £10 a month and never put a penny in straight for the past pocket but, but I'm never going to replicate what that's going to sound like live and, yeah. that, and, and hardcore bands have that in their pocket and have that advantage um by creating these songs that i can imagine walls tumbling down listening to this and i think i think that's a real wonderful thing and helps further the the visceral aggression that you only get in metal uh, it's, i think it's a it's a it's a it's an incredible achievement i think it's a great album two album of the year contenders in the same show man who knew yeah i wholeheartedly agree wholeheartedly agree if they're not in the, if they're not, if they're not both of them in the top five, they'll be sort of in this honourable mention sort of category at the very least. Yeah, I've got some serious thinking to do, man. These two albums are through a spanner in the works for me. Yeah, it's a little bit too difficult. Yeah, it's getting really tough now. Um, I'm hoping that the album we review, whatever that would be, in two weeks, isn't good as well. <laughs> I'm having it to shit, so I haven't got to think about that one as well. Um, that is the end of episode 24 of the Noise Podcast. Um, thank you so much for joining us again. We will be back in two weeks' time. It might be our last show of the year in terms of the standard podcast uh, formula. I'll have a look and see if there's anything that's coming out in December that would be interested in us talking about. Uh, not sure what we're going to be reviewing in two weeks just yet um, because I'm not uh, I'm not sure there's anything massive uh, coming out in two weeks, but I'll stumble across something I've got no doubt. Um, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We will be back in two weeks' time. And don't forget, we've got the Album of the Year show. It's been video coming up for you soon as well. We love you. Bye.